You're listening to Conversations of Inspiration with Ben Moore and Scott Gunn on the EXP podcast. The show that brings you expert insights from those who have had an exponential impact on their industries. They say that success leaves footprints, so take a walk with us as we explore all things growth, business and mindset every Monday from 7am. Sit back, relax and enjoy today's show. Three, two, one. What's happening, big gun? All right, mate. Sweating out, Ben. <laughs> yeah, no, same. I'm sat here with literally two litres of water. I've come yeah. prepared to the podcast. Are you doing that thing of, um, like, now, just moaning about the sunshine? Mate, I, as you well know, my friend, I think I might have even mentioned this on our past podcast, I hate the sunshine. Like, this, this time of year absolutely kills me. I'm uncomfortable. I'm sweaty. It's humid. The kids won't stop moaning. I can't walk the dog. My hay fever's through the roof. Honest to God, bring on winter. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. I like October, mate. That's what I like. October. Perfect. Oh, like Absolutely perfect. Spiced latte vibes from Costa. <laughs> <laughs> like That's the so. word. <laughs> mate, I went on a I went on a valuation yesterday. I did that classic thing of um, you know, when someone says, Oh, I've I've got you and someone else coming out, you know, he's coming along at 12. You know, when you're like, okay. I can do 12, 15, 12, 30. When's good for you? <laughs> <laughs> and I got there and he just sort of, I walked in and a very hot estate agent left with suit on, shirt, tie, pair of like very smart Oxford shoes. And you're like, okay, it, it doesn't look smart when your face is red and you're sweating and your, your hair's all like looks lubricated by the sweat. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like wearing like basically a pair of like tailored shorts, shirt, a shirt, still wearing a shirt and you know, whatever. But I've just thought like, mate, if you get this list in fair play to you, but there's no way am I wearing one of those again on a day like this. Mate, I had had the exact same thing the other week. I went, well, the end of last week, getting confused with the days, Thursday or Friday, it might have been last week. Um, I went to evaluation. I'm not doing that many, so they all all stand out in my mind now. And uh, I did the exact same thing. It wasn't particularly like the sun wasn't beaming, but it was just very humid. Yeah. You know, when you start suffocating, like that's Dubai, worse. You're, oh, yeah. it's, it's so much worse. Like you're struggling to breathe tight weather. And uh, people are going to literally cringe at this, but this is just where I'm at <laughs> in my life. I turned up in a snapback. <laughs> Shots at <laughs> <and> a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I remember he had these big electric gates at the front, right, that he could only open manually himself. Obviously, he didn't have the code to it. So uh, he was like, came through the intercom. He was like, I'll be 10 seconds, mate. I'm just, just opening the gate for you. Yeah, no worries. The gate slowly started to open like this, right, <laughs> about like an inch every few seconds. And uh, behind the other side of the gate was another agent from one of the corporates. And he was there, mate. He looked like a snooker player from the 80s, like proper buttoned-up like, <laughs> shirt, like waistcoat. I was like, you must be absolutely doing your conkers in that suit. <laughs> so I just rolled in in a snapback and pair of ankle socks and, and that was that. But what are your thoughts on that, Scott? Just out of interest. Like, I know that you're not as smart and as, as corporate-looking as you used to be. You still keep a level of... You're not quite at the snapback phase yet, but... No, you, no, I'm not. Um, I, I would be for viewings, no problem. Yeah, just no problem at all. Yeah, I mean, most Saturdays, if if somebody wants to, I basically live down the tennis club on Saturdays, and me and my boy go down there for like five or six hours. Totally cool if someone wants a viewing on a Saturday. I'll just leave him there. He plays tennis with his mates or whatever. I'll just fly out my tennis gear and go and do a viewing. No problem at all. Sometimes vendors are there. Sometimes they're not. That's just that's just that. It's a viewing. It's fine. They're gonna not be worried. Valuations, yeah, a little bit smarter. Um, yeah, the fact that you and I both lost our listings to the smart dress people <laughs> <laughs> maybe that speaks volumes I'm not using a bloke in a snapback you must yeah, be joking yeah. although to be, to be fair I, mean, I don't know if the vendor was just saying this but he was also a business owner so he was saying about uh, he owned a marketing firm and he was saying about how his approach has changed over the years and when he was talking about how when you set up a business it would have been a good podcast episode actually he was a good guy but he was saying when you open up a business you're so hungry for business that you need to do business with everyone it feels and then as time goes on you just start to care less and realize that a lot of people just aren't worth the headache so he said 
like he said, I love the fact that you've come, you know, in a stand back in a t-shirt. He said, because it's so refreshing. You promote yourself as being very different. So it's good to see continuity in that, in the way that you're dressing and promoting yourself. But I can totally, totally understand the other side of the logic where it's like, you're offering a professional service. Please look like a professional. I do acknowledge that, but um, just where I'm at in my life, guys, maybe it's like an early midlife crisis. I don't know, but I just can't. No, I don't know. Cause then, but then I had that thing, like what you're talking about there with continuity, right? Where I had a meeting the other day that I did value as being a bit more important than others. It wasn't an evaluation. It was a meeting with an agent actually. And I was tempted cause we were going somewhere nice in London and I, I tempted to do the whole soup thing and like look really smart and I didn't because again it was a nice warm day and I just talked myself out of it but there was that temptation of okay this is an important one so and then I, I just thought do you know what like we jump on a call with um I jumped on a call with one of the real top American agents like multi multi-millionaire and a little bit of me like I had my shirt like half unbuttoned you know just because it was sunny and a little bit of me wanted I did first of all on the zoom call because I always I always try and get to a zoom call first just so I can do a bit of a vanity check you know just make sure there's not anything obviously wrong and um I did my button up again like top button up and then I just looked at myself and thought just no one no one here definitely no one at exp gives a shit about that do they? Yeah, yeah, how yeah. senior they are in the organization it's not about that like nobody cares and I think that's drifting out into the wider society like I've, I've been told by people real like proper middle-class couples who are you know middle-aged which I'm fast approaching now they're just totally laid back about it it just doesn't seem to be a problem at all I, I think so I seen um I seen a post actually probably good timing for this podcast yesterday someone had put if an estate agent turned up to your house in a t-shirt and shorts what would you say and the comments were like well, how much sugars do you want in your coffee? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, not a big deal. I'd rather it was comfortable. And that's the other thing, isn't it? I think when you're comfortable and you feel relaxed, you're more authentically yourself and it flows. Well, I think we're, we've always, we're addressing the wrong things in the industry. Like, do you want someone in a shirt, do you want someone in a t-shirt and shorts to come around and be honest with you? Or do you want someone in a suit to come around and talk shit? Yeah. You know, we are always been addressing the wrong things in agency, I think, which you know, brings us on really, I guess, because our podcast today or what we're going to try and talk about is the, I don't want to go as far as calling it the death of the traditional model, but I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's on life support. Yeah. Or it's heading that direction. Well, this, this feels very strange, mate, because normally when we transition into the main part of the podcast, it's normally me that tees it up and you've just teed it up. And now I'm like, <laughs> I don't know where to go with this, Scott. Because <laughs> I did a, bad job of teeing it up <laughs> yeah i'll blame you i'll blame you but no you're right i mean there's definite i mean i don't know what your opinion is on this because as ever we've just hit record and then we'll shoot the shit and i don't know whether we're gonna agree on everything disagree on bits i'm not sure so it'd be interesting to to kind of hear your take i mean for me i i don't think i don't think it's a death because to say it's a death would mean you know, they've got no market share and they're doing no business. I can't ever quite see it getting to that point. I think they survey market and they'll always have a place. It's just like that typical online agency argument from the other side of the coin where we all acknowledge that they've got a place, but their market share has hit a point that they're struggling to get through. I mean, according to forecasts, they should be at about 15, 20% market share by this point. And they're down there at what, five or six, if that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then for the traditional, they've obviously still got lion's share, but how long can they hold on to that? And how far is that going to come down over time? I think whatever anyone's views are on this whole topic, you can't deny a fundamental shift in the market, in what the consumer wants, I feel, in terms of how we interpret businesses and what we want from, especially service-driven sectors, what we want from people and relationships. And I can't help but feel that the tide definitely is turning on that mate and uh it will be interesting to see how that plans out over the course of the next five or ten years have you got any strong feelings in terms of an opinion on well i've always been a bit of a well see merchant really it's sort of probably the line i've used more every single day is well see I, I try and avoid making predictions because what do we know i mean any prediction i made before any prediction i made three years ago would have been wrong because i i didn't really see this self-employed model or the models necessarily gaining much traction at all, let alone 
I'm not a pioneer in any way. I've never claimed to be. You know, I got into it by accident, and now I'm now I'm spotting the opportunity late, really. But if you if you went self-employed and and sort of the traditional employed route, if you had to bet, regardless of size, regardless of what share each mark each are going to get, if you had to say which one's going to grow and which one's going to shrink, I think most people would agree that self-employed is destined to grow and traditional is is destined to to shrink. I think the conversation is probably by how much on both sides rather than if that's the case i mean do you agree with that or 100 percent, i'd agree yeah. with that 100 percent, i'd agree with that but you know it's interesting because you know if we look back maybe 10 years um that certainly wouldn't have been the case and it's crazy to think how much has changed in that period of time, because self-employed agency really wasn't even a thing, was it? I remember when I set my first business up in 2012 and it was kind of like this big, I'm not saying it's not a big scary thing now, of course it is, it's a life-changing thing for a lot of people, but it was quite, it was very much against the grain. My ex-colleagues were like, oh my God, have you seen that pen set up by himself? Like this, you know, how's this going to work? Whereas now it's becoming more than norm because I feel as though we're getting back to our roots in terms of, you know, England is a nation of shopkeepers is the old expression, right? Yeah, yeah. Describe the entrepreneurial spirit of our ancestors. And I think that's very much coming through in our industry because as the market's changed and as the world's changed, access to opportunity has also changed. And I kind of feel like regardless of, you know, what camp you're in at the moment, I think that you can't deny the opportunity that we've all got access to and the barrier to entry has come down significantly from what it was when I kicked off my first business back in 2012, where it was costing me thousands of pounds every month before I'd even had a fart in the morning just to, just, just to yeah. keep my head above water. Um, it's that barrier to entry is the big thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's bigger than anything else because if you look at any other industry where the barrier to entry is low, that's when staff retention becomes really, really hard. So, you know, examples I'd give are um, uh, surveyors. Most of those are self-employed because once you've qualified, you can do a year or two's experience and then you can set up relatively cheaply and start making money very, very fast. Accountancy, um, you know, I can't think of the biggest headache for estate agents going self-employed was the 50 grand it cost to start yeah. or 75 grand it cost to start. That, that was the biggest reason why people didn't do it. And that's gone now. I mean, that's gone. And because that's gone now, what's that going to do? I mean, what's that going to drive down the value of established companies? You know, why, why would you walk into an established high street branch and give someone a quarter of a million quid for it? I mean, what damage could you do with a quarter of a million quid war chest setting up on your own from scratch nowadays when yeah. you can do it so quick and so simply? You wouldn't need anywhere near that starters. Yeah, and all, yeah. you know what? And what you're pulling out of that branch? You know, you're going to buy a branch for a quarter of a million quid and make hundred grand a year. Well, you can pay 150 pound a month now to a self-employed model and make hundred hundred grand a year. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, crazy. I, think, I think what really hit home for me, I was talking to a friend of mine that owns a couple of branches, um, locally, and they were saying, and it, 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 they weren't bragging about what they were earning, or but we were talking, and and this person's got two offices across five miles apart probably 22 to 25 members of staff um, and used to earn about 40 grand a year until they set up on their own. And now they're probably, well, not probably said, I'm going to earn 160 grand this year, but it wasn't a brag. It was a, oh, Scott, I can't believe it. Guess what? Oh, cool. You know, good for you, really. I said, I don't think I'm going to earn that much, but I think I'll do 140. And they said, well, hang on a minute. What? How? I said, well, you know me. Do you think I'm selling three, four houses a month? Yeah. Okay, well, let's quickly do the sums. We did the sums. I showed them. And you could see the penny drop with that individual. Yeah. And I think if that individual right now could start over, if this opportunity was available five years ago, whenever it was they set up, I think they would just do this and earn 140 grand working on their own and not have the headache of 22 members of staff and two offices. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing because what your friends got um, with two offices, with a nice shiny shop front, with members of staff that are accountable to him or her. Is it him or her? I was trying to be discreet. <laughs> <laughs> I was using, I was using my, my the, the they and them pronouns. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed. I noticed. <laughs> we'll just say them. 
No, it's a lady and she's great. Yeah, it's a lady. Okay. Great. So, yeah. so to her then. So she, <laughs> you know, the, the, those are the things that traditionally and typically, and even myself anecdotally, used to hold um, a flame against thinking, well, that is the goal, right? I want the fancy office. I want, you know, industrial overhanging lights. I want loads of staff to manage. You know, I wanted these things because we associate those um, tangible um milestones I guess as being sort of real benchmarks of success that look what I've got look what I've built but actually you know you peel away the bravado you look at the rents and the leases and the business rates you look at the running costs the utilities uh, the staffing paying wages and commissions you look at the office politics sick days having to manage people you know it's it's not the land of milk and honey that we perceive to be you don't get those things and suddenly start making a load of cash what really matters when you peel it all back is your quality of life how happy you are how much free time you've got to focus on your business but also focus on your family and your relationships and your passions outside of working and ultimately let's be frank it's a business how much money you're taking home and i kind of feel as though if we can look past you know, the, the, the nice branches and the industrial overhanging lights, park that for a second and just look at it for what it is, a business opportunity. It's insane. And I'm not trying to, you know, put EXP on a pedestal here. Obviously, we offer this, but other companies besides that can give agents this kind of opportunity by completely stripping it back, removing all of those previous barriers to entry, but still giving people all of the upside and the earning potential and the lifestyle quality that comes with being a quote-unquote success in business. I think for me, there's still a lot of educating to do on behalf yep. of us to the agents because I was going to say I won't bring names into it, but I absolutely will bring names into it. You know, you look at companies like Purple Bricks, for example, who I think we owe a lot to because they really did initially sort of introduce this self-employed concept to the UK market. They rolled it out at some degree of scale, made a lot of noise and kind of educated the market that actually, guys, you can have your own business and you can be self-employed. Now, whilst they did it OK from a structural point of view, as we all know, Agents come in, work into a premeditated fee framework, which means by definition, their earnings are, are significantly restricted because they can only earn a certain amount per deal. They pigeonholed into territories, which means the company needs the pound of flesh, which means there's going to be KPIs, it's going to be pressures from management, all that kind of stuff. So it kind of sucks away the fun and the potential that you could get to it puts a glass ceiling on what you can do as a business owner. And I think there's still a lot of agents out there who maybe look at purple bricks and they recognize the benefits and the pitfalls and they kind of put maybe EXP and others in the same category as a purple brick. Yeah, like, actually, it couldn't be any different if you understood the actual potential and how it is in reality. There are no KPIs. You can be an entrepreneur. You decide the DNA of the business. You set the fees. You know, you're the benefactor of the hard work. You own the data, all this kind of stuff that you just don't get in, should we say, version one of self-employed estate agency. That's now completely been stripped back. And the potential here today and moving forward is absolutely mind-blowing for people who've got the talent, but otherwise maybe would have lacked the confidence and the resources to go ahead and drive this forward into fruition. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Purple Bricks is a great example as well. Of, I mean, I'm like you. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm quite positive about PB as far as what they've done for the industry. Love them, mate. Love them. Love them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's given people a great opportunity. I think it's been a great stable for people as well to go and 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 just almost take half a step towards being self-employed. And I think it's going to be hugely beneficial for our industry moving forwards i don't think the models worked i don't doesn't make money you know i mean it is it is i don't know i, I never understand why we're not allowed to talk about that really we've sort of got to come back to customer journey and customer service and how passionate we are about property all the time and that just i'm, I'm here to make money yeah that doesn't mean i'm not giving a great customer service i give the best customer service i can you know if if, if somebody's paying me four thousand pounds they get four thousand pounds worth of customer service you know, that, that, that's how that works. And that's why I charge a decent fee because then I know I can offer a good service back. If, if somebody's paying me 995, that's cool as well, but they will get 995 worth of customer service. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you cannot charge somebody 995 quid and give them 4,000 pounds worth of customer service. It just doesn't work like that. In exactly the same way that if you go into a, you know, a restaurant and pay 10 quid for a 10 pound meal, they don't bring you out too. Yeah. That's just yeah. not how business works. I, I don't understand why 
you know, it's all about making, you've got, you've got more choices about how you look after your customers if you're making profit. Well, the, the thing is, you know, and, and I know what you're saying. In fact, I think you can pretty much pinpoint a recent post that, that's kind of sparked you to say that. Um, because people sort of put, um, I'll, I'll choose my wording carefully. Um, let's just say the emotional, sentimental impact side of what we have in one lane, which is great and it's important. And then they put earning potential and being a commercial success in another lane. And it's like, actually, these two things are not mutually exclusive. Ironically, the more money you make, the better you can serve your clients, the better quality of marketing, the more exposure you can give, the broader the net, the quicker, arguably, you might sell it and the better price you might get. So that's leading on to that customer getting a better experience and moving them on, quote, with their journey, moving forward and delivering, you know, that life-changing piece for the client. And doing that well, ironically, comes back to 360 and means that you can justify higher fees because you're getting those results on one side. So I think a lot of the time we kind of pigeonhole those two things and it's almost like making money or charging proper fees is a dirty word, but it's like, well, no, let's not be ashamed of making money. The more money you're earning, the more content and happy you are, therefore the better version of you they're going to get. And there's yep. more money in the pot, so there's more money to reinvest. Now, you might reinvest into attracting more experienced staff to serve your market better. You might invest into training and upskilling and developing your existing team. You might invest into better resources, more aggressive social media. Whatever yep. it is, the customer's going to win. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and, and this, is, this is what it comes back to. And I mean, I don't know if, if, if we bring it back. So in terms of the traditional model or the employed estate agency world, I mean, you said, and I think rightly so, I'm trying to think exactly how you worded it at the beginning of the chat, that you think you think there's room for both. I'm, I'm actually not as sure. I, I don't think in the next five years they'll be gone. But I personally think that the employed model and that the traditional estate agency is going to die a death of a thousand cuts. I think it could take ages. No idea. I mean, it could take five years, could take 10, could take 20. But right now i just don't see i mean what is the what's the growth plan for a traditional company right now like how are they going to attack how are they going to fight back against the self-employed model i just i can't i can't see what my tactics are right now unless you know if if you're a, a connells for example i don't see how you can be agile enough to compete i think I mean, if I, if I put myself in that position, let's just say that me and you were top of the tree of a traditional model in a traditional Disaster. sense. Yeah, that'd we, be, that'd that be a, would be the worst. I said a death of a thousand cuts. <laughs> that would have been just one swift cut to the stomach and gone. <laughs> they turned yeah. up in a snapback on the first day. Of <laughs> he had his button open on his Martha Ren polo shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if, if we was in that position and you're sort of planning forward and you're doing like a SWOT analysis and you're trying to identify, you know, where you take things, I think, and I take my bias towards my obvious passion for the self-employed model and what we're achieving here at EXP. Let's part that for a second. Let's just look at the landscape for what it is. I think when the agent's winning, and I always say, again, going back to pigeonholing and putting people in different lanes, it's always this thing about, oh, just look after the customer, look after your agents. Well, you know, if the, the agent's the first domino, right? If the agent's happy, more successful, earning more money, they're going to perform better and that therefore has a knock-on effect to the consumer. And I think however you want to dress it up, the reality is that for the right agent, there's a big opportunity for them to go ahead and, and, and make real waves and build a career and have more money and impacts than they could do otherwise. So if you're a corporate, I think the way that you sort of have to try and mitigate that is to offer some kind of diversification in your model. And this is when I say, I think there'll always be a place for them because we're never going to have 100% market share. We're never going to get 100% of the agents. So there's going to be agents who just work better in an employed role in a traditional setup. They prefer having a salary and a nine to five structure. They're not, you know, for whatever reason, they see a benefit in that. And that's what they want to do long-term. So I think there'll be a place for that. But as that market shrinks, and as more people see how the other side are living and they start to see social proof and ex-colleagues and friends and family members going ahead to build businesses and earn more money, clearly it's going to turn heads. So I don't know, Scott, is there a, is there a, a situation where the traditional model can kind of diversify and almost offer like, 
sort of a hub type model, but given the flexibility and some of the benefits of being self-employed the way that we do, like, is there a middle ground there? I don't, they... I don't think so. I mean, this is, I, I don't think there is. I mean, not, not to sound too bullish with it. And, and the reason I don't, that's why I'm not given a time scale on it. Cause I don't know. It could be five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. I don't know. But I think, because I think all they'll be able to do is do cheap copies of, the benefits of the model so they'll be able to say well you can work from home okay so you can work from home and you can wear what you want and work your own hours oh but we've still got these kpis or True. okay we're going to offer a self-employed model we're going to offer a self-employed model um where you can you know a bit like the hearts partnership thing you know it's such a halfway house between employed it's such a halfway house between employed and self-employed that it won't suit anyone people people in that model will either in a year's time decide I'm more suited to employed or actually I've now learned from working in this halfway house that I'd love to be self-employed so I'm going to leave hearts and go to a proper self-employed model where I'm running my own business and I think I think what they'll do because I can't see them competing with the spits that are on offer so I think I think it will be I can see a lot of you know people saying to their best staff right you go 50 we'll go 50 50 with you um you keep half your revenue, we'll take half your revenue. Great. Someone will go, they'll either fail, won't work. Or if it does work, they're then going to quickly add up what they could have got if they were self-employed entirely True. on their own. The True. barrier to entry is gone. That's yeah. the biggest problem. It's the, it's the fact that it doesn't cost 50 to 75 grand a year to set up on your own now. Yeah. Which which not only will mean which will not only mean more people can try it, it also means that more people don't have to be too fearful of the consequences if it doesn't work out. So that's a double barrel. So, because realistically, what is your worst case scenario, right? If let's say you've got to pay yourself two grand a month for six months, that's 12 grand and it's going to cost you, you know, a couple hundred quid a month to run your business. Let's say it costs you 15 grand to try running a business. It's a lot of money to lose, but it's not going to change most people's lives. Most people will get over that kind of loss and they'll be glad they gave it a go. Yeah. So I, I honestly think, and I really wholeheartedly believe that there'll become a point when all estate agents are self-employed. I think that's the route it's going. More so as well, just sort of my, my final point is that normally ret retention, for example, if you take a company like, like a Connells, or I always use just because they're the biggest or a Foxton's or whoever, normally they, they've got a turnover of staff, but the turnover of staff is heavily along the bottom. So along the bottom rungs, they're trainees and junior negs and they're, 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 they're sales negotiators that are leaving. Most companies manage to retain their area managers and directors and branch managers, right? But that's who we're taking. <laughs> For the first, this is the first time that the problem with retention right now in estate agencies, businesses trying to keep, on to keep hold of their best people. They're not losing the people they didn't give a shit about anymore. Now they're losing really, really good people. Yeah. But the people I'm talking to. And, and because the thing is, it's like, it's like, because those good people, have been around long enough, they're long in the tooth, you know, they know what they're doing, they've got some earned confidence, they've been around for decades in some cases. So they've, I don't know, they've almost got that earned confidence that they can make it a success. So therefore, why wouldn't they want to explore it? And worst case scenario, going back to the original point of we're taking the best people, worst case scenario, it doesn't work, you get a bit of egg on your face, you yeah. probably go back into the exact same role on the exact same package. Well, and, and, and this is what this is what I said to somebody the other day. You know, somebody that was telling me that I don't want to, I wouldn't go, you know, self-employed and risk all this and do that. And you know, I said, well, let me put in some context. Right now, if I if it didn't work out for me and I stopped making money, I would have to go and get a job. So I'd have to get an employed role. Of course, I would. I've still got a family to feed, which basically makes my plan B most people's plan A. That's a strong position to be in. If your plan B is as good as most people's plan A, you're in a strong position. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but I, I, I think that's the real, real headache of the traditional model right now is, is that the barrier to entry is gone for their best staff to leave. And, and that's the problem because you know, as well as I do, most people I talk to about joining the XP have got either similar experience to me or more. Most of them are highly credible people got people that i've introduced to exp that would be by far my senior we're an employed role 
you see, uh, you know, we talk about the traditional model and we've kind of hinged a lot about the corporates here. So if we put them to one side and just say, let's focus on the traditional independents, do you feel they've got more flexibility to pivot and to make a long-term success? Because, you know, I remember um, I was listening to a podcast with a, a guy that we've mentioned on this podcast before, a guy called AJ, who's obviously one of our um, uh, sort of counterparts over in the US. And uh, he was on a podcast and someone said, AJ, like EXP is crazy. We've got this revenue share plan where people are building their own organizations, not just here in North America, but globally. Um, the growth is crazy. Share price is going. Everyone's got ownership in the business. The splits on an agency point of view are amazing. Are EXP going to take over the world? Like, are we going to get, you know, 100% market share? And he was like, well, no, that's crazy. We're never going to get to 100% market share. That's just completely unrealistic. I do think we'll make a big dent, but there's always going to be a place for, your boutique brokerage, I think is the terminology that he used, which is probably the equivalent to us saying, you know, a local independent um, where, you know, they just get a fit. They really like the director. They're working as one of three or four agents and they're quite happy doing that because they're in a decent atmosphere. They're not bothered about stocks and shares. They're not bothered about making a ton of money. They just want to, you know, work with a couple of people that they like and that's them done. So he kind of thought, well, they're always going to retain a bit of the market for that reason, for that avatar. Do you think the independents on our side of the pond have a similar opportunity to almost build a, a boutique brokerage where it's kind of no frills, but they've got self-employed agents attached to one central local office? Or do you think even that's doomed and that's going to die, die a death in time? No, I don't know. I, th- I think you'd be able to set up a self-employed, um, as you say, like a hub. And, and there'll be ways to do that where you can set up like, you know, a really funky environment for, you know, you need to track your hipster agents and, a, you know, and so you'd be able to be really niche, I think. But what I, I guess, I see, I think as well, what we've also got that other countries don't have is we have people go into a state agency right now because there are employed options. And they're also going into a state agency based on the fact that I have to do X amount of work for 30 grand a year, 45 grand a year, 50 grand a year. So that in that nature, that attracts a certain type of person. That's what attracted me to it originally. But we will be casting a wider net once in the UK, it becomes more common for agents to earn six figures. It'll be a different group of people. At the moment, you know, if you're looking at a career in agency, you take on, okay, I'm probably going to have to get a job and I might one day be able to run my own agency and, you know, I might be able to earn big money then. Whereas now, you know, all the people, you think all the people that we've got going into recruitment and, you know, all the, so many other like sales environments and put it this way, I've worked in recruitment and I've worked in a state agency. When I've worked in a state agency, I've classed myself as being quite sharp, quite, you know, good at thinking on my feet, quite good on the phone. When I went into recruitment, I was like lower middle. Like there's some seriously talented people out there right now that aren't even considering a state agency as a career because, because it doesn't offer them the opportunities that it will do in three, four, five years' time. Yeah, I mean, that's the other side of it, isn't it? I mean, I think if you can see a clear defined path to business ownership, then it becomes more interesting because there's more money, there's more impact to be having and more freedom that's going to come as a result of that. Um, but it kind of comes back to what we said at the start. I guess it's just an education process, really, because we're still working on educating experienced agents who, you know, the people listening to this or reading our posts or people who've never even heard of us and maybe don't even know who EXP is at this time because you've got to remember, like, what by best estimates, there's, what, 60, 70,000 agents in the UK? The market potential there's huge, but a lot of these people either won't know about this type of framework yet, I believe, or, oh, it's too good to be true. It's just hype. But that only comes with time and social proof that that starts to expand out. And I think the real exciting thing is, you know, why can't we be a profession that people choose? Because it's a bit of a false economy at the minute that, you know, the the, the companies, the head honchos are keeping fees low because they wrongly believe that, you know, their value is determined by competition and you know, customers have repeatedly told us they're not bothered about paying the right fee as long as they see the right value. Yet yeah. in a lot of markets, it's still a race to the bottom. 
And that race to the bottom means there's less money in the park going back to the original point. So there's not enough money for staff training and development, which means people are coming into minimum wage or close to minimum wage jobs, which isn't appealing, which is why the staff turnover is so high. So at all angles, we're doing things wrong. If we just charge a proper fee, we can give proper training, give a proper career path and show, you know, give retain staff for longer and attract better people into the industry to raise standards as a whole. But that's just not happening at the moment. But I do see what we do in the self-employed agency side of things as a real tool to be able to, to transform that on every level on a, what the consumer's paying. So there's more cash in the pot, but also to be able to train, develop, nurture, and get the best out of people to give them longevity in the industry. But then, and then, but then, so now I'm thinking while you're saying that, how much, how much time and money do you spend in training when you know, there's an argument to say the better you make your staff, the more likely they are to, leave and set up and go and earn a six-figure salary as a self-employed agent. I mean, I know there's that, you know, there's that thing that you see on LinkedIn every now and then, isn't there, about um, what do we do if we invest in our staff and they leave? And it's like, well, what do you do if we invest now? If we don't and they stay, yeah, Yeah, that's it, that's it. Um, But regardless of how simplistic that sounds, I, I know the estate agency business. I know the people at the top of the tree through reputation or you know personally know them whatever and i can honestly see them i can't see them saying well we're going to get better by training up from the bottom up i I just i cannot see them sussing that one out yeah yeah it's crazy man. it's interesting it's interesting it'd be it'd be fascinating to see how things how things do pan out because you're right. The industry's changing. I just think, like, not just the property industry. The world's changing. Well, that's. I'm thinking journalism now. You know, I mean, it's it, there's not many industries where you can't, unless you're like a big utility provider, like a gas provider or whatever. That you know, you can't just. I can't go out tomorrow and say, right, I'm going to start. I'm going to be a gas provider. You know, it yeah. just isn't quite as simple as that. But any service industry, or if you take media, for example, you know, there's there's more media posted every day now for free than there is paid journalism by an absolute mile. Yeah, by an absolute mile you know, social media now. And, but then what happens, right? So has, has social media and us talking about the news and, you know, COVID and Brexit on Facebook, has that driven, has the fact that now newspapers aren't selling, hasn't driven them to improve the quality of their newspapers. It, it's driven them to write more tabloid shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the only way to grab your attention now is to write something even more absurd. So, you know, I honestly... I think every industry with the internet and the, the, the low barrier to entry, you can make yourself famous in your town in three months. Couldn't do that before. It'd take 10 years. Literally post every day on Facebook for three months and everyone in your town will know who you are Yeah. by October. Crazy, isn't it? Like, and that is how... Uh, it's as simple as that, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it, it is. It's just like we said, you know, in past episodes, it's just having the confidence and the balls to go ahead and do that, I guess. And, and, you know, the patience to do it consistently, but you're dead right in what you say, which again, just kind of comes back to one of the first points we made about the world of opportunity that we live in, where else at any point, that's why I feel really blessed, mate, because where else at any point in the history of time have we had access to the opportunities that we've got today for building brand, getting yourself out there, establishing yourself, you know, talk about property specifically, the low financial barrier to entry to really make something of yourself and and do things differently and build something you can be proud of. We've never had that ever at any point before today. Now, you know. Well, what the- three things do you want in business or four things? You want you want a low barrier to entry. You want limited risk. You want an opportunity to earn big money and you want to be in a growth sector. Yeah. Self-employed agency right now ticks all four of those ticks all four of those boxes right i mean i've only thought i've just thought of them whilst talking so i don't know if i've missed something that's glaringly obvious but for for me that that, that's that's what i remember and traditional agency right now would i do it if i'd never done it before i'd go there and learn how to do it but in in my it's a shrinking market that's for sure yeah and and i'll tell you what you've got to be really careful in business is that if a grenade is thrown into your business okay you lose your job you've got to go and get another one that's fine the worst thing, it's like in your house, right? The worst thing you can have is a slow leak. If you're going to saw through a pipe and you've got water pissing everywhere, you know you've got to deal with it now. 
the worst thing you can have is a pipe that's leaking like an egg cup full of water every day because you won't notice it. You won't notice it until your ceiling is fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, that's what traditional is now. Like, seriously, is it going to grow or is it going to shrink? And anyone who wants to tell me it's going to grow, I'll talk for, you know, happily have that conversation because I just can't see it. Yeah, I, I agree completely, mate. I agree completely. Like, like you say, I think the sentiment of that logic is... I think people would struggle to argue with that. I think it's just down to how high does one rise and how low does the other drop, Um, which is going to be the really, really interesting thing. But what I'm excited about, it goes back to what I said before, is regardless of how you want to skin it, the agent stands to succeed, to earn more, to do more, to have more impact on one side than to do the other. And for me, I just, no one can convince me that's not a great thing for the industry, for the agents, sorry, and therefore a great thing for, for the industry. So it's going to be great to see how that, um, how that just starts to transpire over time and definitely exciting times for us, no matter what. And, and even if you just took it back down to the fact it's working now, you know, I don't, funny enough, I know you listen to a bit of him. I don't listen to that much. Today. Is it Gary Vernachuk? Vernachuk? How do you say Yeah, that? I don't I've listen to I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't listen to him either, mate. It just, well, but I you mean, can't avoid him. So good yeah, for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We both know he is. We've both seen his stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and, and somebody said to him, he was talking about TikTok for marketing. He's like, you know, on stage now. TikTok for marketing, it's great. It's this, that, and the other. And the first question was, well, TikTok won't last forever. He's like, Never said it was going to last. Like, mate, hay while the sun shines. Like, <laughs> so e- even if, even if you were mad completely and you said, well, the self-employed model won't last forever, which I can't see any argument for anyway. I think Tiders, that ship has sailed. But I, I said something the other day, if it doesn't last forever, I'm still earning three times more money than I used to now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get away with that for three years' time. I'm fine. Yeah. You know, and then... <laughs> I don't know why not everything has to be permanent anyway, but I just, I can't see any argument to say that it's the traditional model is going to claw back its market share. I just think it's, it's just going to be chipped away at and chipped away at until it's too late. I mean, I, I get, a, you know, I get a lot of confidence from looking at, you know, overseas. I think it's practically, and I might be wrong on this, so don't quote me on it, but I think every, every country in the world, apart from us, and I think Switzerland operates, you know, in the self-employed way because, it makes sense. You know, people are looking after a, a very important asset and, you know, helping people through a, a, what can be a stressful time in their lives. So people are compensated well for that. And that helps keep standards high and it keeps it a respectable profession. It's only us in Switzerland that do it the opposite way, where, you know, people are competing on the wrong thing, i.e. fee. And that's driving down standards. It's driving down, you know. And we've got the lowest fee in the world. Exactly. We've got percentage-wise the lowest fee in the world. I, I, I really can see an argument for... UK agents in five to 10 years time charging three, three, four percent. You know, I think that will happen. I think that will happen, you know, because at the moment, you know, as we don't look after buyers as agents, you know, that will change. You know, we'll be looking after buyers in a different world soon. I think that, I think that does need to change like big, because when when you think about it, I mean, at first it, it didn't, it didn't really occur to me because we've never done it that way. I've never worked in a world where you have buyers agents, but you know, when you start looking overseas and again, I'll just kind of lean on what we know our agents over in the U S and you see what they're posting and they're representing buyers and they're being really proactive to look after their clients, best interests. The vendor gets that from us because we're a one-sided transaction, aren't we? Our job is to look after the vendor to protect their interests. But, ah, but do price. they, do they though, Ben, because they're also signing up to big lengthy agreements. That means they can't fuck off anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. It's not, yeah, okay, I think we should be doing that. You might be doing that. I'm not sure everyone's doing that. I think, I think, I think we might, I think generally both sides are neglected over here. You know, yeah. in England, in the UK, I think both sides are neglected. I don't think the vendor gets enough care and attention. You know, I think, I think that might be where you've raised your standard there, mate. Like, I don't think most people, you know, most people who call up following any marketing material I've sent them are not phoning up saying, well, you know, I think my agent's got my best interests at heart. So I think, I think you might be judging people by your own higher standards there, mate. I, I don't think that's the case. But again, though, that comes back with a broken model because, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying, you know, we look after the vendors. Now, let's, let's, let's not dress it up. That's where we get paid, right? We get them a better price. We tend to get paid better money. It's the vendor, ultimately, that's, that's paying the invoice at the end of it when it comes from the solicitors. Um, and we get paid a big piece of that pie. 
So of course, there's a vested interest to make sure that we are delivering on that. But if you, you know, coming back to the whole broken model of agency, if you're on minimum wage, because this is, we all know the script, right? You get a value out, you can talk a good game, they go out, say the right things, they close the deal, get a signature. Suddenly from that point forward, the person who's responsible for looking after that client and selling that house is someone who's never met the client, never seen the property, don't yeah. understand the property. They're on minimum wage. And to be frank, probably, you know, if they do sell the house, what they're going to personally make in commission is probably the difference between a single or a double Nando's at the weekend. It's not, it's not going to impact on their life in, in, right. in the slightest. So, you know, they're not, they're not being paid enough to care because it's like you said before, if, if I'm getting paid nine, nine, five, fine, but you're getting nine, nine, five's worth of service. If you pay me five grand, you're getting five grand's worth of service. Well, imagine you was getting paid £18.50 for that deal. <laughs> £18.50 worth of service. like, yeah. And that, yeah. that's the whole thing about there's not enough money in the pot to give people the right splits, to, to, to funnel that cash down, to make sure that standards are consistent and high yeah. and doing the number one job, which is looking after that vendor properly. And, and I would say, I mean, I, I know that when you hear things like this, it's, it's, and if you're employed, you're likely to be riled up by it a little bit. I think if anybody's listening to this and they're riled up and thinking, well, as an employed agent, I look after, I go to, you know, the moon and back for my clients. I do this, I do that. Well, start looking at going self-employed then, yeah. you know, because if it irritates you, we're not talking about you. If what, if what, if what I've just said about that, then I'm definitely not talking to you. No. And, and, and I spoke, well, both of us hit like you, you think back now over the last year or two, how many amazing, passionate, driven, customer focused agents have you spoke to in the past? And those are the people that we are plucking and getting through because they can see that they're well, the and exception, the is, not the rule. That, 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 that's the yeah. thing. And, 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 and this is where I think the scenery is going to change is I don't know about, I don't know what the, the sort of scene is for self-employed agents where you are, but um, you know, there's two or three EXP people and I am, but there's also a couple of people, there's a company called Vota. Um, that's a guy there called Paul. Um, there's a guy called Russell, uh, uh, Russell Leesk. Um, and that, we're all we communicate all the time us a lot and we're almost like this little merry group within it's it's we're not a team but we all back each other up a little bit as self-employed agents so you know one of them dropped a key off to a buyer for me recently because i was oh. away for the day you know and i have um i've been phoned by one of their clients before saying you know we're thinking about changing and I've actually said, well, have they done anything wrong? Cause the photos look great. The description looks great. I'm not sure what I can do that they're not. And I think that that kind of thing, I mean, if I go toe to toe with them on valuation, you know, we've had, we've roughed up each other's feathers before. Yeah, I've of course. Said things, they've that, said things and that's, that's fine. That's just business though, isn't it? That's just being in competition oh, to get exactly. the instruction. But they're great guys and they really care about their clients. Yeah. yeah, A hundred percent they do. You know, I mean, do you know what well, I mean? I'm, I'm really glad that you made that disclaimer because I think in hindsight, I'd have listened back to this episode and thought we've not quite give them the credit they deserve because I know firsthand, mate. And I know exactly what you mean by Vots. There's a guy called um, David. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, really and good yeah, no, he is. And, and, and Paul Gardner's set up his sales side. And, you know, they are, we, we have scratched each other's backs multiple times. And this is why I think the scene might change with buyers as well. Because I can't phone Miles and Bar in my area and say, oh, hey, I've got a bar you might not know about. Because they'll just say, well, our property's on right move. We'll just wait to hear from them. Yeah. I could 100% call uh, Russell or Paul at Vota or David at Vota and say, look, guys, you've had that one on for 10 weeks. I think I've got a buyer. Can I show them? We'll go halves on the fee. And I think they'd say, yeah. There's more of a conversation to be had. Around yeah, and, and I think they'd be happy with the transaction. I don't think they'd feel like, I think they'd feel like it was half a fee one rather than half a fee lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as I would. And that's just very, very different. And that's why I think that the consequence of how we're setting up now, this is where I think it's going to change industry, which I know just sounds like, oh, I heard it all before. You know, we have heard it all before. It is happening now and it's happening at a lightning rate. And that's just like a little micro environment where I am. You know, that, that'll be mirrored everywhere. And that's before we get to 40 or 50 self-employed agents in every town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drive standards up. And if, if standards are... And those guys now, neither of those will drop their pants on fee because they value their own service. Yeah. They, they value don't, their own time. And they don't, they don't need to either. Because right. I, I always think cream rises to the top. But if you are doing the right things, if you are looking after your clients, if you are getting results, if you are going the extra mile... That gets out 
people speak, communities are small, people talk, you know what I yep. mean? And that, 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 that really is so powerful for brand. And that's when I think when, when, when you've kind of got that and you've put that groundwork in and you've kind of proven yourself to be an agent that cares, fees should follow. So I hope that those guys are charging proper fees and they're not undervaluing themselves and dropping just to win an instruction. And what I happens naturally, because I don't know about you, but I didn't start there. I didn't start by charging a high fee. I've, I've gradually got to the point where I'm thinking, no, my service is getting better now. Yeah. You know, I'm getting more efficient. I'm getting better marketing. I'm getting better at my own time management. I'm getting better at negotiating at vendor care. So well, now I can charge a high fee. And when I quote my fee, I'm not thinking, I wonder if I get away with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what my fee is. That's well, how much it costs to work with me. I've gone through a similar transition, mate, and that's because my filter has changed slightly because I think you go from being almost like a, an excited puppy or a kid in a sweet shop and you just think, need to get a bit of everything, need to get it on no matter what, need a board up. And then you realise after time that, you know, you, your time is finite, all your resources are finite and there's only ever going to be, you know, when you strip it all back, you're paid an hourly rate. Yeah. Why would you want to drop your fee and get paid half the hourly rate that you could be by putting another vendor in that seat that you otherwise could be servicing? Yeah, paid the return that you deserve, and I think it's just when you make that that paradigm shift in the, in how you view it and how you interpret your business, you know that's when you can really hold your home strong. Because I'd rather lose a listing and never never deal with it than get paid less than what I believe I'm worth. Same now, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. So I th- I think there's so many. I think I think I think I think the industry is changing drastically. I think like most things, it will change in a way that we're not expecting. You know, like in a way we're not expecting. Um, and I'm, I'm genuinely excited to watch it, you know, and it's great being, you know, to be frank, mate, we're sort of got ourselves in a fortunate position where we're sort of almost at the forefront of it, right? And it's just seriously, seriously exciting. I mean, I woke up this morning, I looked at my to-do list, and I just thought, yeah, just can't wait to crack on with it. Yeah. How about yeah. that for a change? <laughs> I know, I know. And totally by accident, as we've said before. Oh, yeah. Still, still, oh, yeah. Still, still a great position to be in. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't bright enough to spot it, but then, you know, that's how life works out, right? <laughs> the harder you work and the more you put yourself out there, the luckier you get, mate. Nothing happens yeah. by accident. No, I just got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. We'll see. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how it pans out. Like like you, mate, I'm a little bit of a nerd for the industry, really, and business in general. And I'm... I'm I think even if I wasn't an agent, I'd be generally interested in the change of the scene, you know, so we'll see how it goes. Exciting Absolutely. stuff. Exciting indeed, mate. Exciting indeed. Um, right, mate. I think that's a, I think that's a pod for today. I'm not sure how we're tracking, but that's got to be a solid 40 minutes. And then around that, mate. On oh, weather like this. Let's get outside, Ben. Yeah. You're obviously yeah. off to the gym now, I take it. Uh, today's officially a rest day, mate, but I'm feeling like I've got... Oh, it was all I needed to hear. Yeah. <laughs> off to the gym. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Good, good chat to you. Likewise. See you soon, Ben.